Uh, are we talking more than Chicken Chef and Garbanzo's Pizza or, uh, you know, some nice joints in the peg? <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> well, like, you know, uh, nothing too nice, but uh, you, <laughs> at the uh, at the keg you can get uh, some free dessert, stuff like that, if you're doing wow, good. Wow, that's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I only go there when I got gift cards. <laughs> They once drove to Vancouver from Edmonton to go to the Grey Cup in a Toyota Matrix with summer tires. While listening to the entire Tragically Hip discography, they love their Canadian football. John Fraser, a Winnipeg Blue Bombers fan and sports reporter from Saskatoon. Does this mean I have to start researching? And Travis Cura, a Saskatchewan Rough Riders fan and radio announcer from Red Deer. Does anybody want to do fantasy dancing with the stars next uh, season? Bring you the Two and Out CFL podcast. Every week, Fraser and Cura will deliver news and fantasy analysis from the Canadian Football League. And nonsense. Can't forget the nonsense. Grab some poutine and a double-double. It's time for the Two and Out Podcast. Ready, set, Welcome to episode 16 of the Two and Out CFL Podcast. It is Fraser and Kura. I I guess we need to touch on uh, some attacks that happened on us uh, last week. That's right. We got thrown under the bus just because we're better on iTunes than some random podcast out in Vancouver. Yeah, I'd love to say their name, but... Nah, it's the real <laughs> bad show. Oh, uh, the real. Oh, you mean the real good show? Let's we'll give them a shout out. I to me, it was all in good fun. It doesn't mean we don't think that they're a bunch of jerk faces who probably still live in their mom's basements and reek of Cheetos. <laughs> no, here's my my issue because I was on a completely different side of the fence. And let's be transparent here. I was like ready to go to war, ready to go to Royal Rumble here, and you're like, whoa. Trav, water like, dude, up the listen, it's just, it's three guys. Like, look at their Twitter profile. You can't be intimidated by those three. One, one of them basically looks like you. He's got a giant, glorious beard, although he's wearing no, it's a not glorious. Vancouver. Come on, it's not glorious. Okay, he's got a giant beard. He's wearing a Canuck skate jersey. As soon as I saw the Twitter profile, I'm like, okay, okay. These guys are okay, but yeah, you were ready to like drive, grab me, drive to Vancouver, and get an all-out brawl with these guys. I'm like, Trav, there's three of them and two of us, which I think calmed you down a little. Well, bit. that's the issue here. Like, th- they're calling the CFL Bush League, but they're so up in arms about the National Hockey League. Like, it's summertime, and uh, wh- where are we? Are we six months away from another lockout? Like, shut up. <laughs> <laughs> uh, actually, I believe a lockout, three lockouts happened in the time we've been recording this. No. And I mean, it's it's funny. The Like, I listened to it. I'll give them credit. They're a good, uh, you know, they focus more on the nonsense than the sports. I had a pretty good chuckle at some of the stuff they said on Real Good Show. Uh, and I, I, I'm not, I'm not going to be mad. Well, the only reason we get called out by somebody is because we are higher on iTunes new and noteworthy than them. So, hell, if you're, if you're below us on iTunes, uh, go ahead. Make of the beef. Make of the beef. I bring it on. Make of the, make of, make of the beef. Make of the meatball. Here was my issue. Like, I'll be completely honest. You show up once a week. You look pretty. You do the talking. I do all the yes. heavy lifting. <laughs> so it, it's very, this podcast is very near and dear to my heart. And when somebody says something bad about it, my, uh, my feathers on my back get a little ruffled. So yeah, I was ready for a Royal Rumble. Thanks for holding me back, buddy. 
Hey, uh, anytime. I still say you should cut a wrestling promo on these real good show guys. I mean, when you and I worked together in Lloydminster, you did it to Patrick the Predator Cote, UFC fighter. I'm feeling a little bit better of your odds against, uh, you know, maybe maybe call it the real good show guys in a wrestling promo. You're a big wrestling fan. Well, here's my promo. If you're not down with the CFL, I've got two words for you. Well, oh, oh, I've, I've got another one. Hey, I tell you what the mean gene. If the real good show they wants to come in here, come to the Saskatchewan, come to the Alberta, we We'll give him a fight anywhere, anyhow. A hardcore match. Uh, we make him fight with a sock. And uh, uh, we call the... Yeah, I tell you what, Mean Gene. He ain't scared of the real good show. Yeah, because the doing a podcast going to run wild on you. I tell you what, Mean Gene. In the Huddle with Fraser and Kura on the Two and Out Podcast. All right, let's start the news by saying we uh, we do have a special guest today, former first overall pick by the Calgary Stampeders, Steve Morley. Which is really cool. We actually got a guy who's done stuff in the league to come on our podcast. Now, I, I know you said off the air that we've never been picked first in dodgeball, but little known fact about me, I won the dodgeball championship at uh, in grade 12, so I uh, have that to put in my athlete's hat, if that makes any sense. I won uh, in junior high school, won intramural ball hockey as the starting goalie in uh, grade seven. <laughs> so I've got that, uh, you know, and I mean, I did play, I did have a cup of coffee. I did play one game of junior B hockey in Thunder Bay, Ontario for the West Fort Maroon, so... I guess, you know, that's some athletic prowess for a guy that's short with tiny hands and a beer gut. <laughs> uh, Obviously, Steve Morley, much better at sports than we are. Uh, we're absolutely blown away that uh, he's coming on. I know he was actually pointed out to us by a couple of our followers on Twitter and said, hey, you guys got to get Steve Morley on. This guy's, you know, he's he's honest about the Blue Bombers. And I said, yeah, so podcast listeners, ye ask and ye shall receive. Yeah, big shout now out. Send me a double double. Big shout out to uh, Blair. He actually uh, he's in the Two and Out CFL podcast fantasy league, and uh, he sent us yeah. that tweet. Steve replied, and uh, yeah, we got him on the show coming up after we talk about a few news items. Uh, Travis Lule out three to six weeks for the BC Lions. Uh, can't say we didn't see this coming, but. I, I I'm hesitant to link this to his past injury history oh, yeah. because it's it's not the shoulder. No, I mean his his what's derailed him most of his career has been shoulder injuries. This one's a knee. I believe he did miss time with a knee injury though. And I said it here on Twitter. Look out because all of a sudden Travis Lule going down in BC. John Beck looked just fine. But to me, I'm starting to see a little uh, just a glimmer glimmer of hope. For the Saskatchewan Rough Riders and the and the Winnipeg Blue Bombers making this weekend's matchup even bigger. Winnipeg now, you know, BC, John Beck obviously is a step back from Travis Lule. If Winnipeg can get their poop in a group, and I guess same with Saskatchewan, might be able to actually solidify a playoff spot there in the West Division. It came out basically the day we released episode 15. Sean Lemon, of course, out of the National Football League, now back with Ottawa. He is a red-black, and that is huge for that defense. I think, I think the huger news, Travis, is actually that that our tweet about Sean Lemon coming back uh, was retweeted by uh, Smiling Hank. Yeah, that uh, was cool! It was pretty cool, so smiling, Hank, if you're actually listening, uh, a little hello to you. Uh, but you're right, especially Ottawa losing some guys along that defensive line with some key injuries. 
to bring in a guy like Sean Lemon, who was a beast in Calgary, you know, couldn't quite crack the NFL, but he's going to be a beast back in the CFL. That's absolutely huge. When you can fill a position with a talented guy like that that just walks off the street. I will say one thing, you know, look at guys that come back from the NFL traditionally. Usually takes them about until the next season to be back to 100%. So don't expect, uh, I wouldn't expect Sean Lemon uh, to put up, you know, 20 sacks or something ridiculous, but he's going to be good for Ottawa, but I expect him to be even better when he has a full CFL camp next year. Now there is uh, some more NFL free agents we need to talk about. Now at the end of the day, none of these really have any fantasy impact at all. We'll talk about the guys that are still on practice rosters that could be let go. Uh, Brian Peters with the Vikings, Deron Carter with the Colts, and Michael Ola with the Chargers. They are uh, on practice rosters. You know, traditionally those, you don't want to stay on a practice roster. Guys with those talents uh, should be playing somewhere, whether it's up here or somewhere down south, so we could be seeing moves with them. And Matt O'Donnell was released by Cincinnati, but he's already signed. He is in Edmonton, so the trade that Winnipeg made with the Eskimos, along with Matt O'Donnell, really makes that uh, offensive line in Edmonton almost revamped in one day. Yeah, Edmonton doing some major wheeling and dealing. We'll get into that more with Steve Morley here during our interview segment. But, yeah, all of a sudden you're adding Chris Greaves and O'Donnell all in one day for an offensive line to be that didn't look that bad. I forget where they were in Derek Taylor's uh, ratings. But, you know, a lot of these guys, if they're on a practice roster – you know, I just look at it financially. You know, they're going to spend probably the rest of the year. They're going to try to spend the rest of the league year on that practice roster. The NFL minimum for a practice roster is probably more than you're going to make in the CFL. You're not going to get injured. I mean, unless something fluky happens in practice, I wouldn't be surprised to see all these guys that have solidified practice roster spots just stay there through the end of the CFL season and then perhaps reevaluate depending on where they stack up in the NFL next year. Yeah, and don't quote me on it, but I think there's a rule now where you can only spend so much time on a practice roster. So, Well, yeah, look at Dave Dickinson. Look yeah. at how long Dave Dickinson went from team to team to team on their practice roster. She basically maxed out a time before coming back to the CFL. Now there are some other guys that are complete free agents, whether they're weighing their options down south or up north. None of them really have any fantasy uh, implications. Ian Wilde is a free agent. Jaleel Carter, John Childs, Brett Jones, Marcus Ball, and... Ben Heenan, uh, Jones and Heenan, uh, looks like they're both dealing with some minor injuries right now. But yeah, and and both those teams have said when those guys are healthy, we want to bring them back. So I, I would rule them out uh, of coming back to Canada anytime soon. I would really like to just as speaking as a Bombers fan, I'd love to see Ian Wild back in Winnipeg. He might have some fantasy impact too as well defensively if he uh, decides to return. Enoch Muamba as well. Uh, is a uh, free agent, and uh, I think that the Chris Greaves uh, trade could be making some cap room for him or Wild. Interesting, and I would uh, again speaking as a guy who cheers for the Blue and Gold, they need some help. Is you know, they're I mean. When I saw the Chris Greaves trade, trade I was floored. I mean, you're letting go of a Canadian offensive lineman. He's not having the best of years this year, but in the past, he's been a good soldier for you, a good old lineman. A little surprised at that move, to be completely honest. Now, uh, a move in Montreal as well. Turk Schonert fired by the Alouettes. Now, to me, it seems like a desperation move. Now we're going to have the offensive coordinator tandem of Anthony Calvillo and Ryan Dinwiddie. 
By the end of the year, I have two questions, uh, two statements here. Uh, by the end of the year, Calvillo will actually be president of the universe, the way he keeps moving <laughs> up, you know, job-wise. Uh, and second, does this make my Ryan Dinwiddie bomber jersey more or less valuable? I don't know. That's an interesting question. Mm, that's uh, It's still the easiest way to find me at a great guy. Just, Just look for the guy in the bomber's dinwiddie The more jersey. I get to see his eyes on TSN, the happier I am. Ah, uh, that makes two of us. <laughs> Labor Day ratings are in, and between the Riders, the Stamps, and the uh, Ticats game, uh, they averaged over 800,000 viewers, and that is despite how many viewers the Blue Jays are pulling in right now. So Labor Day, still a massive draw. Just awesome. I watched pretty much every single game, or at least parts of every single game on Labor Day. It's when the games really start to get interesting uh, in the CFL. I mean, I wasn't road tripping like you are. First off, applause to you. Um, we I can't believe we're like 20 minutes into the pod, and we haven't talked about your road trip, man. That looks like, like I did something similar when I lived in Lloyd. I went to Edmonton, Calgary, win, uh, Regina in a weekend. But you did two Labor Day classics. Yeah, I... <laughs> I do want to bring that up. I do want to talk about it after we talk to Steve Morley. I'll give you the full okay. lowdown on the Labor Day road trip because, of course, the biggest news of the weekend, the CFL Rabbit. <laughs> yes, the <laughs> CFL Rabbit who has already <laughs> trashed us on Twitter. So, no, I have more of a beef with the stupid rabbit than than really good show. I want to make that a little... Oh, I have no nice words. Uh, into stew. <laughs> I want to make them in a rabbit stew. Yes. <laughs> I don't know if you saw this, but Calgary's got this thing going where they do the world's fastest cow. And they they have yeah. this guy dressed as a cow, and they give random people at halftime or whatever uh, a 10-yard uh, head start to race him. So the CFL yeah. posed the question, who would win between the world's fastest cow, the CFL rabbit, or Brandon Banks? Oh, it's got to be. That rabbit really showed some good speed and did some weird stuff in the air. He did the barrel roll. I don't know what that was about. The cow comes laugh for sure. Um, Brandon Banks gave the rabbit a shout-out on Twitter, so uh, uh, the edge might go to the rabbit. Challenge. I would go rabbit, um, Brandon Banks, world's fastest cow, 742 other people, uh, well, make that 17,042 other people. Uh, John Fraser slightly ahead of Travis Curran. <laughs> now, I'm past my prime. Uh, another little-known fact about me, I was on the uh, city's uh, relay team for my school uh, in the ninth grade. Wow. Uh, I, if you think you're past your prime, I'm two years older than you. That makes me... <laughs> Two years more past my prime. Go take a milk jug, stick it in there for, for an extra two years, and uh, it's not going to smell good. Let's get a real athlete on the phone. And for the first time in two and out podcast history, we're joined by somebody who's actually played in the league. Now, this is really impressive because Travis and I couldn't get picked first in gym class. Our <laughs> guest today, Steve Morley, got picked first overall into the CFL 2003 Canadian lineman from Halifax, now living in Winnipeg. Steve, thanks a lot for coming on the program. Oh, yeah, sure. Thanks for having me. Uh, you started your career, got drafted in 03 by the Stamps. We're obviously going to talk a little bit of Blue Bombers. That's where you spent a big chunk of your Canadian career. But I've always wanted to know, you spent some time in the NFL as well. Who's got the nicer facilities, the guys down south or the guys up north? Or could it even be the rain fire of NFL Europe? 
Uh, it's definitely not the, uh, the, the Ryan Fire, but I'd have to go with the uh, Green Bay Packers. They had the uh, top-notch facilities and everything was first class in that organization. When you were done with Green Bay, did you purchase a cheesehead? <laughs> no, I actually never uh, got around to get one of those, but uh, looking back now, I should have got one. They're pretty, uh, pretty neat. <laughs> Steve, you've spent uh, a bunch of time north of the border, came back to Canada, 07, 08, you were with the Riders, 09, until training camp of this year, a player with the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. You've been there for some lean years and some good years. I know how good the city can be. How good can the city be when the, when the product on the field actually isn't awful? Oh, my gosh. If, you're, if, you, uh, if you win in this city, you're, you're a king. You can do whatever you want. You can go in the restaurants and get free meals. It's it's just amazing the way these uh, the fans are when you're winning. But uh, when you lose, it gets uh, really ugly. Uh, are we talking more than Chicken Chef and Garbanzo's Pizza, or uh, you know some nice joints in the bag? <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> well, like, you know, uh, nothing too nice. But uh, <laughs> at the uh, at the keg, you can get uh, some free dessert stuff like that if you're doing wow, good. Wow, that's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I only go there when I got gift cards. <laughs> <laughs> of course, neither Travis or I had the luxury of playing in the CFL. Uh, and your time in Winnipeg dates back to '09, so you've seen some good years. But this year, you're active on Twitter. That's how we got in touch with you about the fact that, let's face it, the on-field product this year has not been good. As a guy who was let go at training camp, do you take join the fact the team's struggling, or is it a fact that, you know, you want to see them do good and you still want to, you know, cheer for your buddies that are on the team? Well, it's, it's, a, it's a bit of both. You know, when, when, they, uh, when they cut me in, uh, you know, back in late April there, they basically told me that, you know, the, you know, the team's going to be a whole lot better. They went on a whole media tour saying that the old line's better, they're tougher now, the offense has respectability and just all this stuff, like every radio station, every newspaper. It was, it was just crazy. I couldn't believe mm-hmm. it, you know, because, like, you know, they were, they were so nice to me the whole time I was there. And then, like, all of a sudden they cut me and they started saying all this stuff. And it kind of, you know, it kind of, uh, you know, put a bad taste in my mouth. And, you know, you know, I, I stayed quiet. You know, I, I let them do their stuff and uh, gave them a chance to, you know, prove their point during the season. But... You know, I just couldn't take it anymore watching this team, you know, go downhill. You know, Drew Willie get knocked out of three games. He's like, he's on crutches now and just space I couldn't uh, take it anymore. I, I had to go on Twitter and uh, vent a bit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I can't blame you, my friend. You should see my Twitter feed on game days. It's uh, it's it's nothing pretty at, at all. Uh, what You mentioned Drew Willie, and it seems to me as an outside observer, Steve Morley, uh, former Winnipeg Blue Bombers offensive lineman, you mentioned Drew, and it seems like when the team doesn't have Drew in the lineup, it's just a completely different team. Is he that good of a leader, or is, or is Brian Brom and the other guys that much of a step down from a guy like Drew Willie? Uh, I think it's just Drew Willie. When he's on, when he's on his game, I think he's he's the best player in the league. You know, like like that first game versus Saskatchewan. You know, it it was just like he was just every ball he threw was just coming out so fast. He was hitting all his receivers on. It was just like it was amazing. You know, and like, when I was with him last year, we started the season five and one. He was doing really good. And mm-hmm. when when he gets rid of that ball, it's just like when he makes those quick reads. It's you know he's unstoppable. But eventually, you know. He, once he starts getting hit and uh, it adds up and basically, you know, the ball stops coming out uh, quick and 
That's what happened this year, I think. And when you look at the Riders and the Bombers, it almost feels like they're mere images of each other with the struggles that they're having right now. What do you think are the biggest issues with the Bombers uh, this season and beyond? Uh, I, I think it's just, you know, the... Uh, well, of course, it's just, uh, you know, when Drew Willie went down, the team just collapsed, you know. It's just, uh, you know, it, it, the team's just basically built around Drew Willie. You know, they, they, I, don't, I think they thought... They paid all this money on the new old linemen. They, uh, you know, Drew is going to be safe the whole year, and they're going to they're going to go to the Great Cup. Basically, that's what they've been saying the whole offseason. Now, once Drew went down, everything just crumbled around him. How about some of the other players on the uh, on the team, Steve? You know, would they be when Drew goes down? Does it change your mindset heading into the week of practice? I know practices can be tough. I know game weeks can be tough. You know, here's a team that's sliding. Drew's down. Does it make it harder to go to work when your star quarterback's down? Oh yeah, for sure. You you can tell in the guys in the locker room when they see like Drew go down and the backup goes in, and you know that they're not, uh, you know, they're not confident. And they're gonna, you know, definitely they're getting that wide eyed look, like oh, oh, here we go again. You know, we gotta this game's gonna, you know, this game's gonna get out of control, and basically guys just start, you know, trying to overcompensate or they start to panic, and that's when things start going bad. I, on Twitter, uh, I've been reading through your feed here. Uh, you you said that Wade Miller needs to be more involved with the on-field product in meetings and on the field. That's how companies get better. I mean, Wade's a pretty smart businessman. What do you think a guy like him needs to do more of, Steve? Uh, you know, I you know I, I agree. Wade's a very smart guy. I, I, he gives uh, Mike O'Shea you know a big leash to do what he wants to do. But I think eventually, you know, when you start losing games, you have to kind of intervene a bit. You have to kind of see what's going on, like evaluate the process right because you're trying to sell great cup tickets right the big games mm-hmm. in winnipeg this year and uh basically wade miller you know if, if things go south it's you know his name's on the whole thing right so i think you know it doesn't hurt to be you know have your hand in there more often and uh that's how you know the majority of companies work in the real world right the, the person in charge of the whole thing is basically on the ground level just so the company gets going at least now, I like your comments, too, today on, on Chris Graves uh, immediately becoming the Edmonton Eskimos' best old lineman. Still has a lot of play left and, you know, kind of subtly saying, hey, the Bombers are making a mistake letting him go. I share uh, that opinion. Why would they go out and uh, make a move like that, Steve? I mean, you know the inside of that organization better than the, the two of us. Well, I think it goes back to the whole thing of the whole thing they pre-show offseason. They want to get toughness on the O-line, but... You know, I, I agree. It's great to have tough guys, and but I, I think you know, I think Chris Greaves is a tough guy. I think I'm a tough guy. I think Glenn January was a tough guy. I think it's just a big. Uh, I don't know what they're trying to trying to prove, but we'll see. I guess if uh, it helps the O lineup. But I think you know, Chris Greaves is a very athletic guy. He, uh, you know, he's very strong. I thought he was pretty good. Definitely, it probably takes its toll on you here and every day that they're trying to trade you in the newspaper. So, yeah, yeah I probably took, probably took a toll on his play this year, in my opinion. Yeah, and I mean, I'm with you. You watch his, you watch him work along the offensive line. In years past, he's been good. I think that's a great pickup uh, for the Edmonton Eskimos. Uh, talking with a lot of Bomber fans and a lot of feedback we get here on the podcast and personally, is just how bad the Joe Mack era was for this football team. Uh, I know he's a guy that that probably brought you in, but. This, what's the changes been like in Winnipeg? You've been through it from Joe Mack, Paul Lapolis to now Mike O'Shea and Kyle Walters. What's the biggest difference in the two, I guess, bomber, real distinct bomber regimes of the past five, six years here, Steve? Uh, well, I think uh, Kyle Walters is better at evaluating the Canadian talent than Joe Mack was. Mm-hmm. Like Joe Mack, he was, uh, you know, 
when he draft when he was drafting guys that uh, Kyle Walters like he even told us that he would he would never even draft the whole draft and Joe Mack wanted to draft him in the first round so just that that's a big difference but I, I think you know with Kyle Walters he's he's basically still a rookie at the job too right he's still mm-hmm. learning every he's still learning on the job same with same with uh, Mike O'Shea he's still fairly new too with very little experience at, be, at being at being a head coach. So it's you know they're going to have growing pains. And I just you know I'm just, I'm curious to see like you know will the fans put up with these growing pains you know as the season goes on. So it's yeah. definitely you know I think I think I think as the season goes on these guys have to win through them later in my opinion. Yeah, and especially too with Montreal now looking like they could be the East uh, first crossover team. Uh, Pat Tracy was also let go by the by the Bombers this week. A guy you called one of the good guys in the CFL, and as I said to you uh, off the record, and I'll say I'll say it on the record, you know, specials were not the reason why they got their arse is handed to them by the Saskatchewan Rough Riders this weekend. Uh, your thoughts on on Pat's departure, and, and could you see, see him emerging with another CFL team right away here, Steve? Uh. I'm not, I'm not sure about uh, emerging right away, but I, I think he'll definitely get another look in the uh, in football, whether it be the CFL or the uh, CIS and the Canadian Inter- Inter- University uh, League. But I, I think you know, I think you know, uh, the special teams, you know, they weren't they weren't great. But I think there's a there's a bigger problem than the uh, than Pat Tracy, that's for sure. And, and plus, you know, Mike O'Shea had his hand in the special teams too the whole time, right? That's his mm-hmm. specialty, so. To blame it on uh, Pat Tracy, it was a little fishy, I thought, in my opinion. But that's that's the way it goes. I think it it just buys some more time now to see if you know the team will get better. Because I think uh, the Saints are trying to you know protect the uh, the offensive coordinator as much as possible. Yeah, Marcel Belfay, uh, who is a guy that a lot of Bomber fans right now, and I'm sure people in the city of Winnipeg, where you're at, even out here in Saskatchewan, are calling for his head. Uh, do you think this is on Belfay, or, or is it personnel decisions? Letting guys like yourself, Chris Greaves, Jason Vega go, you know, really taking some of the talent out of this uh, Bomber team? Uh, well, I think I think it's a little bit of everything. You know, I think, uh, you know, definitely if Marcel had Drew Williams in there the whole the whole season, keeping him healthy, I think he looks a lot better than he does now. But yeah, it's a CFL, right? There's no guarantees your quarterback to be healthy the whole time. You have to have an offense designed for a backup quarterback to succeed in, right? And I think right now they're not adjusting the offense so a backup quarterback can be successful. And, uh, you know, eventually it's going to take its toll, I think. Steve, I, I got to ask you. You know, we've kind of been talking about you know the Gong Show that is the Winnipeg Blue Bombers this year. Let's let's go back to a happier time. Uh, can you tell me what your favorite memory as a Blue Bomber was when you when you got to wear the blue and gold and, and, and suit up for the team? Oh, definitely the uh, the best memory was the uh, home playoff game, the uh, the championship, the uh, semifinal game versus the Hamilton Tiger Cats in 2011. The one yeah. that we won in front of the uh, sold out stadium. And took us to the uh, Grey Cup. That was probably the uh, the best uh, memory as a professional athlete. Just seeing all the fans there, all excited. Everyone's going crazy. The city's in love with us. And uh, of course, we, we didn't win the big game, but just uh, you know, we got there. And you know, I think that's a pretty good accomplishment compared to some of the teams that uh, Winnipeg's had over the years. And especially considering it was minus seventy two approximately <laughs> on that day. Oh yeah, it, it was amazing. Uh, when the tie caps came out, they were all you could tell they, they didn't want to play football. It was so cold, and we were just we were just ready to go. We had all the uh, warm uh, stuff on. They had us ready to go for the cold temperature, so we were we were excited. We knew we were going to have a good game. 
What was your favorite stadium to go into and just win in front of those jerk fans wherever they were across <laughs> Canada? Uh, I think it had to. Well, well, Saskatchewan had the. Uh, I'd say they had they had the uh, the most in your face fans, but we never we never won there. But I'd have to say Montreal. Montreal's probably the second uh, place where the fans are in your face. So I'd say winning in Montreal that was that was probably the best feeling to win on the road. Of course, we're heading into, it's the rematch, it's the Banjo Bowl game coming up uh, this Sunday. How much fun were those games to play in, Steve? Oh, definitely. They were, they were one of the highlights of the uh, season, the, you know, the, having the Ryder fans make the trip down to Winnipeg, and having the full stadium and the both fans going back and forth at each other the whole game. It's definitely it's definitely a unique feeling, and I'm, I'm going to that game, actually, I have tickets for the game, so... I'm just getting really excited for that game. I know it's going to be a uh, a big atmosphere. It's a must-win game for the Bombers, that's for sure. So I'm looking forward to it. Of course, we have the rematches in Toronto uh, as well with the Tiger Cats and also in Edmonton with the Calgary Stampeders. I wanted to get your perspective on uh, the coin toss before the Edmonton and Calgary game with uh, Dion Lacey kind of shutting Bo Levi Mitchell down and refusing to shake his hand. What's your perspective and uh, thoughts on that? Would you ever do that? Uh, jeez, I don't know. I, I being an offensive an offensive lineman, you definitely don't want to see your quarterback getting you know charged up before the game by a defensive player. So, I think uh, this week they'll probably have someone out there to uh, protect uh, Calgary's quarterback because that was I don't know. It just kind of left a uh, a sick a sick uh, feeling in my stomach when I saw that. However, you got to give credit to uh, Bo Levi Mitchell for just laughing it off. I guess right. Oh yeah, for sure. He definitely handled like a pro. You know, that's that's why the guy's uh, that's why the guy does so well. He definitely it's hard to shake him. That's for sure. All right, Steve. Before we let you go, Steve Morley, former Winnipeg Blue Bomber. We always make every guest come on here and pick the games for this weekend because uh, usually, <laughs> hey man, the way Travis and I, how bad we've been at pick 'em this year, you will do better than us. I can almost guarantee it. <laughs> I think I'm 47 percent on the season. <laughs> We're like we're bad. We're really, really bad at this. Oh man! So let's start off. Hamilton and Toronto, uh, first place battle last week went in favor of the Tie Cats in a big way. Uh, who you got there, Steve? Uh, I don't know. I'm feeling upset. I think I think Toronto's going to get the uh, going to win this one. I think they're going to get revenge. I just had that feeling. Uh, the next one up, we're gonna we're gonna leave the big one that we're all focused on until very last. So let's talk Battle of Alberta, Calgary, Edmonton. Uh, again, Calgary, the winner last week, and an, uh, a bit of an ugly one. Uh, who who comes out on top this weekend? Uh, is Riley starting for Edmonton? Looks like he uh, will be. Yeah, it looks like he might be. Yep. Yeah, I think if uh, if Riley starts, I'll take uh, Edmonton. I like it, and of course, the, the fiercest rivalry of the weekend. <laughs> The Ottawa Red Blacks at the BC Lions. Um, <laughs> what do you oh. have there, Steve? <laughs> that's that's be another good game. Uh, I think I'm going to go with uh, Ottawa. I think Ottawa's going to take that one. Beautiful. And finally, and uh, share your thoughts on this as long as you want to. Uh, two teams you've played for, one very recently. It's the Bangible Riders in your home city right now of Winnipeg. Who do you got and why? Uh, well, I, I think you know. I think the Riders will have the confidence coming into this game, and I think you know Winnipeg. There's kind of a lot of moves going on here. I think the guys will be playing on eggshells, but you know, I am from Winnipeg. I'm living here now, so I have to, uh, you know, make the safe bet here and just say that the Bombers will win this one.
Yes, somebody's Ooh. picking the bombers that isn't me. I like it. <laughs> Steve Morley, former Winnipeg Blue Bomber offensive lineman. Steve, where can people get uh, more of you these days? Uh, more of me. Just uh, well, I'm on Twitter right now, just trying to follow the teams and follow the league. So basically, Steve Morley 62. Wonderful. That's my Twitter handle. Wonderful, Steve. We will make sure to tag it. Thank you so much for coming on Two and Out Podcast tonight. Oh, thanks for having me, guys. It was awesome. Okay, one final time, a huge thank you to uh, Steve Morley for coming on uh, the podcast today to talk bombers and other happenings around the Canadian Football League. We're just out of Labor Day, the second season, and the CFL's underway. Now, you mentioned Labor Day again. You said it earlier in the pod. We weren't allowed to talk about this until now. But you went on a real cool trip. We teased it up earlier so people would stick around, you know, go get themselves a second double-double and some extra Timbits. Your Labor Day trip, you did the Labor Day Classic in Regina and then the one in Calgary. You got to give me all the deets, man. Like, just, like, fill me in. I saw the photos. You saw our buddy Neely. Like, break it down for me. And now uh, I did write a piece about it on cflpass.ca if you do want to see all the pictures. I just had an absolute blast. Now, Labor Day, if you've ever done a Labor Day classic, whether it be in Hamilton, Calgary, or Regina, you know that it's different. Yeah. You can't can't describe, you almost can't put it into words. It is just different. Difference. So for this Canada's sacred football holiday, as some like to call it, I'm like, hey, I live in Red Deer. It's not really convenient at all. <laughs> but let's do uh, the doubleheader. So I went up to, uh, I drove to Regina the Saturday night. And uh, between Saskatoon and Regina, man, it was, and you were calling the Hilltops that night. Oh, man, it was so wet. It was actually coming through the glass at our press box. I've never seen a football game uh, get that wet. Every player was soaked right through. I've never (laughs) seen rain like that at a football game. And for the record... There was probably at least six or 700 fans that stuck around wow. through the rain. The players loved it. The coaches loved it. Hilltop's head coach, Tom Sargent, the toppers won uh, over their arch rival, Regina Thunder. He came up. He was just smiling ear to ear and soaked right through during the postgame interview. It was a terrifying drive to Regina in the pitch black with all that rain and hydroplaning yeah, I, and all that. I, I would not, not want to drive, especially in your little two-wheel drive uh, Ranger. So uh, make it to Regina Saturday night uh, after going for some Fuddruckers in Saskatoon. Shout out! Of course. Uh, <laughs> Sunday morning, uh, I get up, I, I go to the stadium early, uh, I buy myself one of those uh, retro rider jerseys that they're going to be wearing that day, and then the day starts. If you've ever done Labor Day in Regina, you know that the Bombers show up with their fans in droves, and they throw a party called Wayne's World. Now, John, do you know what Wayne's World's all about? You're a Bomber fan. You got to do it. I, I do, but every time I've been to five Labor Day games, and I always ended up with a package that was like it was a park and ride. You'd go to a bar, they'd shuttle you oh, to the game, they'd okay. shuttle you back, and you go back to the game. So I never had an opportunity to take in in Wayne's World, which, by the way, is, is cool. But I'll let you explain it because I mean you did an excellent job on our partner CFLPass.ca. So and I I got this history kind of secondhand from some Bomber fans, and I'm, I'm a good buddies with we call him Neely. I met him at the Great cup in vancouver four years ago and he yeah the night you went missing yes <laughs> and he gives me the details that uh, 
the Bomber fans would show up. The bus would show up to Mosaic. They'd get off the bus with their booze, and the police would be there basically to confiscate it and give them all liquor tickets. Yeah. Well, there's an old guy named Wayne. He lives across from Mosaic. He lets them all onto his lawn, where, of course, it is legal again. He And the shenanigans that go on there, man, it is mini Grey Cup. <laughs> I know. I, I saw, it like, the photos you've got up at CFL Pass. Uh, there's the one that fascinates me. It's not the Golden Boy. It's not oh, whatever the hell no. Neely was dressed in. Don't do it. Don't do it. No, that's two things. It's the giant bag of empties. Right by the Golden Boy, and also applauso to you for throwing on a Blue Bomber shirt so Neely could win 50 bucks at the Bomber store. Uh, quick question, would you do the same thing for me? No. Jerk. <laughs> <laughs> so what happens is this girl comes up, I think she works for the Blue Bomber's website or the Bomber store or something, and she, she goes to Neely and she says, if you can get this guy to wear a Bomber shirt... I'll give you fifty bucks to the bomber store. <laughs> wow, and 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 you did it. So uh, nice move uh, for you there, Trav. Uh, are were you the only guy in Riders Green and White at the party? Well, the guy's house. He's a Rider fan, so it looked like he had some friends there. There were maybe four, five Rider fans. <laughs> <laughs> So I stuck out like a sore thumb, and actually in my picture with the Golden Boy, you can see in the background uh, a jerry can. (laughs) That says Jeff. (laughs) And that is the pressurized beer funnel that they were passing around the uh, weights world. A a pressurized beer funnel. It sounds like you had zero fun at this party. Oh, zero fun. It was absolutely terrible. I do not recommend you do it at all. And I'm sorry, uh, I'll say this. If I buy six beers at the Ryder party, it costs me $42. I'd take six beers to Wayne's World, $13.95, baby. <laughs> <laughs> Were you at least drinking a good beer, a pro Winnipeg beer like Labatt Blue? No, I was drinking pill. Uh- <laughs> ah, gross. <laughs> Yuck. So if you ever do Labor Day in Regina, I don't care what team you cheer for. You have to do Wayne's World. And so after the game... I used yep. it to sober up. My girlfriend drove for a little bit. <laughs> and we, Wise decision. And we drove all the way to uh, Medicine Hat, which is about four and a half hours from Regina. And that is one of the worst highways in Canada. So boring. Well, when it's nighttime, it's actually okay. And then, honestly, I felt, and my girlfriend said this too, now that I live in Red Deer, and, uh, you know, the big city, the hills and stuff like that. It was really cool to be back on the prairies with wide open sky. And I know it sounds lame, but you kind of miss that when uh, when you return. What? Huh? You? Hey, I'm, I'm a prairie boy at heart. I know that doesn't make sense. Maybe some writer fan uh, can send me a tweet and uh, it, it makes, back it me makes, up. It makes no sense, man. <laughs> the first thing I do when I get back to, like, northern Ontario where I'm from is like, ooh, there's hills and trees, and I can actually have to pay attention to what I'm doing on the road. Land of the living skies, man. Land of the living uh, skies. 
Uh, either way, you move from there, from Medicine Hat. So we uh, get there at ten thirty, and I apologize. Uh, at Gander Lake on Twitter, he said, "You're coming to Medicine Hat. Uh, give me a shout out when you get here." We didn't get there till ten thirty, and we were on the road at nine. So there was really no. <laughs> yeah, and that that happens sometimes. Uh, maybe a random two and out podcast trip to uh, to Medicine Hat to, in the cards, or tell them to get a CJFL team, and uh, then I'll make it happen. Nice. So so we get on. On the road, 9 a.m., go straight to Calgary, go straight to the stadium. And uh, Jade is a podcast listener, and he, he sent us tweets before. He said, come by if you want a, a tailgate hookup. So uh, went to his spot, and man, those Stamps fans know how to do it. That Labor Day atmosphere was incredible. They surround McMahon. It's almost like a National Football League game there. I've always heard the tailgating is top-notch in Calgary. Oh. Never had an opportunity to to do it. It was funny uh, watching... Uh, you know, from my account at John CJWW, watching you and Jade tweet back and forth. I'm over here. Does this look familiar? I'm over here. I'm over here. And then finally, oh. it's like, here's my phone number. Figure it out. <laughs> oh man, I just coughed my uh, coffee through my nose because of you saying that. <laughs> oh, you. <laughs> oh. oh. Either way, it was it was it was funny to watch. Huge class move. I know Jade's invited me to tailgate with him before in Calgary. Couldn't make it happen. I'm glad you were able to take him up on the opportunity. And also, again, just showing what what great podcast listeners we have. As a guy like Jade, you know, invites a, a rider fan with a uh, glorious beard uh, to his uh, stamps uh, tailgate party. Yeah, and he actually gave me a beer too. So th- that's awesome. <laughs> Whoa, <laughs> that means we're bros. <laughs> <laughs> so we stopped by there, and man, those Stamps fans know what they're doing. Like, some of those setups they have, it's like, jeez, that's better than what I have at home. And, <laughs> you know, they got the burgers, they got the dogs, they got the music, they got everything going. So Labor Day in Calgary is definitely something that I want to experience. Now, on the radio after the game, I heard that it was a sellout, but I would say maybe... Maybe all the tickets were sold, but it was probably about 400 short of a, a sellout. But more people than were at the West Final last year. The Eskimo fans showing up more than the West Final, too. So it was awesome. And just the atmosphere in both stadiums on Labor Day was incredible. And I think altogether it was 1,927 kilometers we put on my truck. No, wow, you have great memory. Uh, 1927 is exactly what the last photo uh, you have on the recap on cflpass.ca. Uh, check it out if you want to see the photos. All right, let's get to the Fantasy Expose. Time for the Fantasy Expose on the 2 and Out podcast. All right, so I guess we can quickly start with uh, Montreal and BC, which just ruined my pick instantly. <laughs> instantly like i, I don't think are I've, you surprised i don't think I've, i'm not surprised i don't think i've ever got the first game in any given week right uh no uh and i think that that kind of stands true for both of us and uh not a pretty game no. uh, to say the least uh tanner marsh uh you might have to join <laughs> the uh tino sinceri brian brom club as guy who throws a lot of interceptions 103 yards five picks so if you needed the montreal quarterbacks to make a spot start like some of us you were in a really 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 tough spot uh tyrell sutton uh comes back from injury uh seven for 88 one of the lone bright spots there for the montreal alouettes on the day now uh, emmanuel arsenault was calling out montreal on uh basically saying that they're no good 
We shouldn't be beating them, but Marcino had two catches for 15 yards, so I'm not sure if he's a guy that should be uh, chirping. No, uh, I, I would uh, I would agree. Uh, and again, just if you had anybody from either team, not a good game for you fantasy-wise. Uh, Austin Colley with a touchdown uh, catch, Hawkins with a touchdown catch, I guess you get some points there. Andrew Harris even unspectacular, 21 rushes, 65 yards. Uh, John Beck subbing in for Travis Lule did have the two touchdown passes, two interceptions, and only 114 yards passing, so... Uh, not a not a not a pretty game. Uh, Ellsworth uh, again. We've talked about lots on this podcast here. Uh, eight tackles, kind of leading the way defensively. Yeah, just uh, like I keep looking through the stats, I'm trying to find somebody to talk about Trav, and uh, I just don't think it's worth it. Which just wasn't a good game. I do have to give a shout out to the Alouette defense because if your quarterback throws five interceptions and you only lose by nine, yeah, you're doing something right on the defensive side of the ball. <laughs> And two turnovers are on downs. Don't forget about those. Yeah, yeah. And the the biggest disappointment for me from this game is when you see seven interceptions thrown, you have to think that there was at least one double-double. No double-doubles. No. So that just shows you how bad this game was. Uh, so, so let's move on. <laughs> let's get to the real rivalry Sunday, the game which I was at in the university uh. section, by the way. Uh, standing the entire game, but it made the game fly by. The atmosphere was amazing in Regina. I'm going to do that thing I do where I puke in my mouth a little bit when talking about the Bombers, (laughs) and you kind of have to break things down here, all right? Now, a lot of people were saying that Messam needs to get the ball more. He did get the ball more. Now, he didn't have his seven-yard uh, per carry average he had coming into the game, but they gave him the ball. He got the yards when he needed them, and uh, the offense, they, they they looked all right. It did, at the beginning of the game, seem like, maybe they're a little bit nervous. Uh, it's a Labor Day. They got this big guy called Owen sitting on their back, but now <laughs> Owen's gone. Screw you. Well, you got to feel good. You know, if you look at guys like Brett Smith. Yeah. Again, a year ago he was bartending. Uh, the kid can. The kid's a quarterback. He's going to be a very good CFL quarterback. Nineteen to twenty-five, one touchdown. I know the team was pumped up to get a win for him. Like you said, Massum seventeen for seventy-three. Uh, no spectacular performances, but a couple solid days. Rob Bag five grabs, fifty-seven yards. Ryan Smith uh, two for fifty-three uh, and a touchdown. And you know, I do feel good. I feel good for guys like. I feel good for the Brett Smiths of the world and Bob Dice. Uh, he's a guy that's, you know, cut his teeth and paid his dues in Canadian football. He's a Winnipeg guy who started in the CJFL, went to the CIS and out to the CFL. Got to feel good for a guy like that getting his first career uh, coaching win. Uh, Brian Brom has his first career professional touchdown of the rushing variety. Uh, ran eight times for 22 yards, uh, passing 21 of uh, 26 for 184. So, again, you and I have as many touchdown passes as Brian Brom. And that, that game, I was so... I was so angry that game because you can just tell Brom and that offense are not in sync one bit. Watch the receivers every time they walk up to the line. They have to they, they're in their full waggle, they're at full speed, and they have to stutter step at the line because Brom doesn't know what the hell to snap the ball. I am so glad that that Matt Nichols is starting this weekend. And that's and that's a guy I've never been really high on, but he's an improvement over Brian Brom. At least he can time a waggle correctly. Was Brom that terrible in the Labor Day Classic though? Twenty one of twenty six yes. for one eighty four? Yes, 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 yes. The stats aren't bad. He was bad. I mean, 
oh, I could have gone 21 to 26. If I saw another five-yard pass when you needed seven yards, yeah. it was ridiculous. He didn't stretch the field. He was making poor decisions. He just he didn't get picked off because that Riders offense it, it, apparently this year can't create any turnovers. That's the old uh, John Madden saying. Why are you running routes that are shorter than the <laughs> and that's all he took. That's all he took. That's all he took the whole game. And again, I think a big part of that is if you go back and watch that game or even watch the highlights, every time the Winnipeg receivers are stopping at the line of scrimmage. They're not there. The timing was not there. And I think that's why the decision was easy for Mike O'Shea to go to Matt Nichols. There was they just could not run the ball against Saskatchewan. So I will say that Mr. Monroe. Andre Monroe made a massive difference on that defensive line for uh, Saskatchewan, man. He was a beast. Two sacks, uh, the fourth fumble, rub, rubbing his belly. Now, uh, all of a sudden, they looked like a different defense when they actually had their uh, four imports on the defensive line. Well, we've got to remember, this is something I have said about the Riders' defensive line in the past. Uh, no offense to Brandon Tennant, Rory Connop, Timmy Agbaje. Those guys just aren't at the same level as some of these guys from down south. All of them have bright futures in the CFL, but right now, none of those guys are, are ready just yet. Give them some time on the practice roster. They're going to be good players, but you watch what the what the Riders were able to do, changing up the ratio a bit. I thought going safe, Canadian at safety uh, with Matt Webster and Keenan McDougal was a great idea. Allows them to put the four Americans along the line, and they caused all sorts of havoc and really you know, stuff the run. Uh, one of the few bright sides uh, for the Bombers was uh, Sam Hurl with the seven tackles and the sack. Chris Randall also had a sack, but he's now out for the year. Yeah, shout out to Hurl. He's really, he, he's faced a lot of criticism, but I think he's really coming into his own and he had a great Labor Day game. Yeah, he did. I, I mean, he was a guy that was criticizing in Saskatchewan, criticizing Winnipeg, but it's just there. there's not there's not the ingredients there uh, for a winning football team in Winnipeg this year, this year and it's it's becoming painfully obvious. Let's talk about that average quarterback in Hamilton. <laughs> well, I remember that. Our first dumb tweet of the week. Uh, <laughs> that was so great. Hey, Marty York, uh, how does Zach Caleros' uh, – uh, I, I, I'm not even going to say it. How does his, his dust taste? Uh, 26-38, four touchdowns, 400 yards, absolutely on fire. Tyrell Sinkfield Jr., five grabs, 110, two touchdowns. Tolliver, 90 yards and a touchdown. Underwood, 36 yards and a touchdown. Luke Tasker, seven cra- catches, 105 yards. Whoever, like... The offense in Hamilton, it just guys were wide open the whole day. Kalaros was finding them, and if you had a Hamilton Tiger Cat offensively in your lineup, uh, you were feeling good. And yes, the Tiger Cats were humming. Let's talk about Kalaros here because last, I know he was hurt for much of last year, but he had 424 pass attempts, 3,261 yards. Now this upcoming game against Toronto, if he throws for 230 yards. He will already have more yards, but he has 106 less pass attempts this season. That, that tie Cats offense has been so good, and I, I joked about it on my Twitter feed. I mean, I really think, I mean, I'm on the Tabby's bandwagon, you know, with the Bombers just looking like they're going nowhere this year. I, I think i got to be on the tie Cats bandwagon for the rest of the year. Can we, you know what, that's, let's... I know we're already deep into the podcast. Let's can, can we change the intro? Well, we can, can officially go- change it for next week for the rest of the year if you want. 
Uh, we'll see what happens to the Banjo Bowl, and then we'll discuss. <laughs> All right. Can't give up just yet. All right. We're going to have to open it with uh, that next week then. Uh, so Hamilton has 357 points on the year. The next closest team uh, is Calgary with 271. <laughs> wow. Like, they're just they're a juggernaut right now. Uh Trevor Harris, uh, okay numbers, 24-34, 2-11 and a touchdown fantasy-wise. Again, uh, kind of in the same situation as I saw Brian Brom is, but obviously much better than Brian Brom. Uh, a lot of short passes, that's all that he was getting underneath. Uh, Brandon, like, nobody was able to run the ball. Chad Cacker, the leading rusher, 5 for 37. Uh, Tony Gurley still had an okay game, uh, 5 for 62, as well as Elliott. Uh, touchdown saves uh, his day uh, fantasy-wise for the Toronto Argonauts. I almost feel like that when Fantuz and Bakari Grant get healthy, I feel like Hamilton can go with one less O-lineman and no running back <laughs> and still just crush everyone. Just bust out a seven-receiver set. Yeah. <laughs> You know what? How about how about Zach Alaro's just like in flag football where you just pick the ball up and you say hut? Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure he could do. You know what? Let's let's just put everybody out there. Let's just have Caleros and uh, 11 receivers. <laughs> and they'd still beat everybody. Oh, they absolutely would. Oh, so there's not much else to say about that game. I mean, the rookie receivers are still good in uh Toronto, but I, even with Owens back, man, <laughs> Casey Crehan uh, had his defense exposed uh, last week in Hamilton, and uh, we'll see if he can get it figured out for the rematch. Uh, let's talk Battle of Alberta. Now, a lot of people saying it's a pretty ugly game. Now, being at the game, I mm-hmm. I got the feel that it was like a playoff game. Jones is desperate not to lose to Calgary anymore. Now it's 12 regular season losses in a row. It felt like nobody wanted to screw up. Nobody wanted. And it was just a field position chess match the whole game. You really make a 16 to 7 game sound exciting, Trav, and good for you for doing that cuz <laughs> from a guy wa- from a guy watching at home, uh I, I I think the best reaction was one one of the guys in the Eskimo Empire podcast, and we heard this a couple times in the Twitter sphere saying, you know, just because I'm saying two and out constantly uh, does not mean I'm giving you guys a shout out. Uh, just a heads up. Uh, I also I've, somebody called this, and I forget who it was. I want to give them proper credit, but I apologize uh, that that we were the sponsors of Labor Day weekend because there were so many two and outs in that game. I think that was, was that Joe Pritchard. Yeah, I think it was. I think it was Joe. I'm not I'm not sure, and if we got it wrong. All apologies. Feel free. Uh, we'll send you a Timbit. One Timbit is compensation. <laughs> All right. I want to get your opinion on this coaching decision. So it's fourth quarter. Edmonton is down by six. Riley's back in yep. the game. The offense is moving the ball a little bit. And they were deep in their zone against the wind. And yep. they ended up punting the ball. Calgary's basically instantly in field goal position. They get the field goal. They're up by nine. Edmonton now needs two scores with like two minutes to go. I think this is a situation, and I know that you, Derek Taylor uh, from TSN, never give up the safety. I think maybe this is a situation where they should have given up the safety. No, not a chance, because here's the biggest reason why you don't do it, especially that late in a football game. If they were trailing by three, I would agree, because you're going to need a touchdown anyways, but to if they would have given up the two points, you're all of a sudden making, you need a touchdown and a two-point convert, and then you're still kicking into the win, so Calgary's still going to have good field position with the win, and you're giving the Stamps the ball back. I like the decision to punt, because if you're able, if if 
they miss that field goal, all of a sudden you're only down seven points. It's 14-7, to seven, a drive with a converted touchdown. Next thing you know, it's a tie football game, or hell, maybe even you go for two and, and you force overtime. I like the decision. I mean, they did what they could. I mean, you don't want to give Calgary the ball back, especially with that little time to go. You never, ever, ever want to take a safety and put a team into a position where you have to get a touchdown and a two-point convert. I like the decision by Chris Jones. I don't think it backfired that badly because, in my humble opinion, had they taken the safety, Calgary probably would have ended up with a field goal anyways, which would have put them even less time to drive down the field and even less of a chance to win. So I like the decision by Chris Jones, and I always, always, always will. The only time, like I said, if you're going to take a safety... You know, either make sure you're down by one or you're down by three. For me, I think the Edmonton defense was playing so well that that extra 35 yards or whatever, that you're instead of punting the ball from your one, uh, you're pinning Calgary a little bit deeper and giving your chance, uh, your team a better chance because that defense. Yeah, but Calgary, you got to think with that wind, was going to get it probably 35 or 40 yard line with Tim Brown. Well, he All was hurt su- at that point. He was out of the game, and it- part part of me. But whoever's returning, whoever's returning that football, you know, they're going to get it probably to the thirty-five or the forty. You're two essentially first downs away from field goal range with the win. Maybe three first downs. That's more time the Calgary is going to be able to eat off the clock. Time that you just don't have if you're the Edmonton Eskimos. It was a time and it was a score decision, and Chris Jones did the smart thing. And for me, I would have taken the chance because uh, when Tim Brown uh, got hurt, Joe Burnett was uh, returning kicks, and he was doing terrible. Uh, he had uh, the first one bounced off his chest his chest uh, or his shoulder pads. He was able to get it back. He fumbled the next two. So uh, if I'm Edmonton, I would have taken the chance, but that's just me. <laughs> but if you're trailing, no if you're coach. trailing, you don't want to give you don't want to give points. You don't you know what? We could have this conversation if it was before the half. I could see the argument before the half, but Chris Jones did the wise thing. Uh, in my opinion, by you know making sure he'd have time for uh, a possible game-winning drive, and again, if if there's a bad snap or anything on that field goal, if the field goal is missed, you know he his team's down seven with time to go with his starting quarterback with the ball in his hands. But for me, like they couldn't punt it out of field goal range, so that's why I would have done it. That yeah, but but so so what? I mean, <laughs> you're putting it back in a field goal range. Field goals gets get missed all the time. What if if you end up with a big sack? All of a sudden, you're out of field goal range. You're, you're giving you're instead of giving up, you gave up three points instead of five. They absolutely, I have no doubt in my mind, would have given up five points and would have taken another minute off the clock. I I think Edmonton would have just given up two and just uh, no, let it go. No, no, <laughs> well, no. You don't just game. give up. They're not just giving up two. No, I, I don't think they would have uh, gotten a field goal if they would have been able to punt it deeper if they had given up the safety. But they would have at least got, even if they didn't, they would have gotten two or three first downs. You're still down by eight, and in Calgary's time with those two or three first downs, now instead of having a lot of time to drive the field, you have next to none. Put it in the hands of your defense, let them win it, and hope your special teams can come up with a big play on the field goal. Hey, hindsight's twenty twenty, but uh, they didn't give up a first down, and they uh, stopped them. So I would have given up the safety. 
I'm not going to agree give up with the points. You. Never give up the points. Not, that offense that offense was not good enough to score in a two-point convert on that day. I'm not going to agree with you, you stupid SOB. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, whatever, fine. Handle. You, you know what? Do we even, is there even anybody we can talk about fantasy-wise in this game? <laughs> well, for me, uh, I know it's not really fantasy-wise, but I think Calgary is kind of saying, hey, stop talking about Edmonton and Hamilton. We have a good defense, too. Yeah, no, I agree. I, I really agree. Uh, offensive numbers not spectacular. Markway McDaniel leading the way, seven grabs, seventy-four yards. Uh, Bowman doing Bowman things, five grabs, ninety-three yards. Uh, if you had, uh, and I know it's James, I'm going to call him again, Jermaine Franklin. Uh, if you thought he was going to lead you to the promised land, uh, maybe not so much. Maybe me and the Eskimo Empire guys a little high on him. Uh, Mike Riley, five for twelve, uh, shaken off of the rust there. On uh, as as I believe he's actually a robot playing cyborg sent from out of space. Charleston Hughes was a beast uh, on the defensive line for uh, Calgary. Now, the Mike Riley, this is another coaching decision. Why didn't he come in till af- just after halftime instead of the fourth quarter? I don't know on that one. I, I, I really don't. If he's if he's there and he's dressed, unless you wanted to give Jermaine Franklin uh, time to dust off you know, his nice suit and, and, and get into some pads, maybe it was your chance to see. Like, I didn't think things were that bad for Franklin. I had, got, I had, had to go to Husky football practice myself, but I mean, things weren't great. Nobody was moving the ball against either one of those defenses, so it's not like you can pin it on the quarterback. But you know, obviously, Mike Riley came out and showed he was he was a little rusty as well. Yeah, it was the first couple plays uh, of the game where he runs. He had a 15 yard run or something, and he wasn't sliding like it was old school, like we've been used to uh, for Mike Riley. But I'm like, uh, his knee looks fine. <laughs> <laughs> I hear ya. Before we fight anymore, let's get to the picks. It's everyone's favorite game show. Are you smarter than two overweight Canadian podcasters? Pick the weekly winners in the CFL on Facebook or Twitter at Two and Out CFL. Now we're into the uh, Labor Day rematches. Hamilton uh, in Toronto. Friday night football. Who do you got? Well, just you, you know what I what, who I got. Just cue it up. Just play it. Play it now. I'm picking them too. The Thai Cats are humming, and they will continue to hum. Let's take the tabbies over the Toronto Argonauts in this one. Now, if it was no, never mind. I was going to say if it was in Ottawa or Montreal, it might be a different story. But the uh, Tiger Cat fans are going to show up to Rogers Center. They might actually outnumber the Argo fans because of how good Hamilton is this year. So <laughs> it's going to be... Yeah, a- I'm ex- expecting it to be a very pro-Hamilton crowd, at least 50-50. Uh, Ticats fans going to make some noise, take over the Rogers Center, and uh, yeah, they're they're going to stay humming. Matt Nichols gets the start for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers as they host the Riders in the Banjo Bowl. This one, to me, this is interesting. Do you, do you have some guess who on the production computer? Hey, I can some always BT- uh, get some uh, guess who. Or how about some BTO? <laughs> You're picking Winnipeg? I'm going with the Bombers. They're going to take care of business. That If they don't hear, look out. I've given up on the season. This is the last time I'm picking Winnipeg. I am taking the Bombers. Because even when the, the team has been so bad and the Riders have been good, they've always had success in the Banjo Bowl because Investors Group Field gets Loud. Mr. John Fraser crapping on Matt Nichols as an Eskimo, but he's the second coming of Dieter Brock when he's a bomber or what? <laughs> 
no. It's just they need even average quarterback play would have given them a puncher's chance of that game against the Riders. They got Tino Sinceri levels of quarterback play from Brian Brom. Matt Nichols, uh, somebody called him replacement level. Uh, I know some guys in Edmonton think he has more to offer. Uh, he's a decent quarterback. He wins games. He's an upgrade for what Winnipeg has. It's going to be loud at Investors Group Field. And if not, it's going to be raining booze in Winnipeg. Now, here's the thing. Last eight years, eight starting quarterbacks for Winnipeg. Kevin Glenn, Unbelievable. Michael Bishop, Stephen Giles, Buck Pierce, Joey Elliott, Justin Goltz, Drew Willie, now Matt Nichols. There is, there, that is a poo-poo platter right there. I'm picking Saskatchewan. Uh, very little confidence here in that one. Now, there's another. This is a great day. For doubleheader span, and I, I'm glad the Badger Bowl's on a Saturday instead of a. a I'm Sunday not because I had a chance to go. I'm working on Saturday. You know what? I actually thought it was on the Sunday because then I was like, I'm not going. But now it's on the Saturday. I could have went. You could have went. I had my cousin in Winnipeg text me this week, say, "Hey, uh, my wife can't make the game. You want to come up for Banjo Bowl?" And I'm like, I'm looking. I'm like, okay, I'm in Regina with the Hilltops on Saturday. I could drive myself, drive to Winnipeg after the game, get in late, wake up early, party, go banjo bowl, and be back in the city in a couple of days. Instead, it's on Saturday. I'll be at WWE in uh, Calgary for that. So now, you'll I can't probably complain. be more. Ex- you'll probably be pretty excited with that. You <laughs> don't like wrestling whatsoever. <laughs> I hate it. I hate it. <laughs> <laughs> so it's a doubleheader on Saturday. The rematch, Calgary, Edmonton. It looks like Ma- Mike Riley is going to have the ball for Edmonton. You know what? Calgary's won five in a row. They're starting to look like the stamps we all know and love. Uh, you got a horse with no name ready to go? Yes. Play it. Let's make this happen. <laughs> Actually, uh, we had a shout-out from Jade. He was like, uh, the horse is called Quick Six, so I'm riding through a desert on a horse called Quick Six. (laughs) Okay, we need to find a way to sing that, edit it in, and whenever we pick the stamps, have our voices over the track. Or we can play, what's that old, oy old, yay Calgary or something? Just a sec. (laughs) No, 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 no. Horse with no name. Horse with no name. All right. All right. (laughs) This song's bad, man. This song is great. It's chill. It makes me feel better after arguing with you about stupid decisions uh, on on coaching. Now, I'm flip-flopping with this game. Oh, man. I know, but you know who I'm going to pick. I know you got the stamps. I'm going to go Eskimos. Uh, okay, I like that. Is that because you're a season ticket holder and like the least advertised Edmonton Eskimo season ticket holder ever? <laughs> uh, honestly, I like the way the defense looked in Calgary. Now with Mike Riley getting the whole game, and I expect there's going to be forty thousand at this game in Edmonton. I I think that the streak ends. Like it has to end sometime. It's been twelve regular season losses, thirteen including playoffs in a row to Calgary. I'm just going to have to go Edmonton. It, it, it ends. It has to end sometime. You're calling for it to end. I uh, I like it. You have to take chances in this pick'em game, and I've been sucking at it, so can't get any worse. Uh- well, no, you're right. You, you are absolutely correct, uh, and we have been uh, very bad at that. BC Ottawa on Sunday. Now, I was not excited about this game until 
I went on Twitter this morning, and Emmanuel Arsenault and Javon Johnson were absolutely ripping each other. Oh, wow. That's fun. Now, usually it's guys that don't see the field against each other, like two defensive players or two offensive players. But uh, it's a very good chance that Javon Johnson could be covering Emmanuel Arsenal for much of the game on Sunday. Is it weird that I want to pick this game only based on uh, the the uh, the band locations? Now that we play music during our pickums, um, <laughs> I can't find anybody of note from Ottawa, but uh, Trooper and Prism are from Vancouver. Oh my so God. part of, part of me just wants to pick because we can play a little Trooper. My, my favorite prism story though <laughs> is when okay, the, they were playing, let's hear it. they were playing the Lloyd Minster Fair and they kept saying thank you Saskatoon oh <laughs> no they did not by the end of the show everyone's like boo and they couldn't figure out why <laughs> you think at some point somebody would tell them uh hey hey guys hey hey, hey guys guys <laughs> Guys, you're in, you're you're in Lloyd, you're in Lloyd Minster, you're in Lloyd Minster, you're you're in where are you t- you're in Lloyd Minster. <laughs> we need we need to somebody to nominate us an Ottawa band because uh, I I kind of want to pick Ottawa, but I can't because I there's nobody here with uh, that I even uh, recognize. I'm going to pick BC for this reason. Uh, Ottawa- I'm picking BC because of Trooper. So okay. the, you know it's uh, your reason's probably better than mine. All right. The Ottawa Red Blacks have not won a game outside of the Eastern Time Zone yet. And now, was that a super stat or a meaningless number? I guess we're going to find out. So I, I feel like it's the same thing as the Tim Hortons field factor. I, I still don't mm-hmm. want to pick against anybody in, in uh, Tim Hortons field, but Ottawa hasn't shown that they can travel as a team together yet. Now, it, it, as weird as it sounds, they haven't shown that they can really win on the road just quite yet. Uh, BC... Without Lule, John Beck, I, I think he'll do okay, and I think it's going to be another one of those ugly games. Uh, uh, it is going to be an ugly game, and again, I'm picking it only because of Trooper and Prism. Uh, <laughs> way too much nonsense on this episode, man. We're, we're going. I think we've peaked, and now we're on our way down. <laughs> I, I know. Hey, I'm I'm with I'm with picking a song for every single time that we make a pick. Uh, maybe we'll turn our luck around. <laughs> All right, it's taken me 16 episodes. I do have to give a big shout-out to Trent Block Hansen and his band Artificial Lift. It was back in May. I uh, contacted him. I was like, hey, man, uh, I know you love to play the guitar. You got you, you got your band. Would you love to put some riffs together for my uh, CFL podcast I'm starting? And he ends up producing uh, basically an entire theme song for us to use. I like it. So... Artificial Lift, look them up, go see them. Uh, thanks for putting that together, Trent. We really, really uh, appreciate that. That does it. Episode 16 of the Two and Out CFL podcast. Will the intro change for next week after this week's Banjo Bowl? I feel like there needs to be a wager on this one. Oh, what kind of a wager? The season series is on the line here. Uh, I feel like if the Riders win, we're going to open next week's show, uh, maybe with not only the intro changing, but you singing Green is the Color. Oh, I am I am so fine for that. Um, and if the Bombers win, 
Uh, we have to change the two and out podcast pit profile picture to you and Neely in the Bombers oh. shirt and jersey, and you have to sing the the first few bars of these eyes. Oh man! Again, I just I loved when you sang that earlier this year. I want to hear it again. Okay, and deal as long as we can change our profile picture to you wearing that good old Carrie Joseph Ryder jersey. I'm so on board. It's a wager. <laughs> it's a the wager's a foot deal. <laughs> <laughs> oh, go bombers! <laughs> oh, now I'm. I hope I don't regret. This is the thing. None of us are confident. No, it's it's like none of us want to look. I mean, I gotta I gotta be on air this weekend. Four and O Saskatoon Hilltops at three and one Regina Thunder on Saturday night. So I'll be able to listen to the broadcast a little bit uh, with my good friend Rod Peterson. Uh, on the way to the game, and then after that, uh, you know what? I'm going to be in the booth. Maybe I'll have my laptop with the game on while I'm calling uh, the the toppers and thunder. <laughs> Follow us on Twitter, like us on Facebook, two and out CFL. Rate, review, subscribe on iTunes. We will talk to you next week.